Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Monetize Your Mental Capital. I have um, Bill Jacoby here, and we are super excited. Bill and I adding just a little bit um, before we started recording and talking about his past companies he started. Um, we're going to dive right in at, uh, around monetizing those intangibles and some of the things we learned. Bill, tell us who you are. Why Why should these individuals who are listening um, believe that you have some note here that might help them level up the uh, monetization strategies around intangible revenue streams? Oh, I had four careers, but never had a job. And I was able to do that because, you know, as I worked in different disciplines, you know, I, I saw early on that everybody was going this way and there's more efficiencies and looking at things from a different angle can can get better results. So having switched careers and having of, of taking that risk and jumping into something you knew nothing about, but then rising to the top of that that discipline or whatever channel I was in, I'm hosting, I was in a restaurant business, ran night dollar restaurants and vice president of companies with restaurants. So from very early age, I was managing P&Ls, profit loss, and looking at numbers and just breaking down, you know, how to get the most efficient, cost-effective way. Um, I have a master's certificate in project management and helped online trading project, which we, mm. when, when they went online, it was an $88 million project we built in 133 days. And so along the way, every time I've jumped into businesses, you know, taking experiences from the past, I've been able to look to the future and, and apply that knowledge to see how to go about, uh, you know, not just doing whatever else is doing, but being ahead of the pack of where people are going to be tomorrow. Love that. So, so obviously you've got some experience under your belt. Tell us, you mentioned I've never had a job. Um, as you kind of lean into that, let, let's go back to the time, you know, very, you know, your teenage years, even, even up into your, your uh, late teens, early twenties, as you began to look at the world and see what was out you do to make money? What what was the what was the what was the beginning? What did it look like for you? I worked at 13 in a drugstore so I could start wor working, uh, doing odd jobs and everything else in a grocery store. Scene. Had had to join a union, but I didn't because I wanted to work more hours and, and go on strike. Mm -hmm. uh, so at that early age, I was able to uh, have a different outlook on life, being part of all that dynamic, mm -hmm. and then going to college for engineering after you know the summertime girls swimming pools <laughs> that, that studying doesn't work that well um after a year of engineering you know going into uh hotel restaurant management you know because mm. people are the key to any business and dealing with people you know engineering is very critical and analytical black and white and mm -hmm. in business it's all about relationships and networking mm -hmm. and everything else mm -hmm. so having gone to the restaurant restaurant career path and then coming out and working for several major chains, you know, just opening up different restaurants. So, you know, okay. Tell me as you began, you know, clear down from the, the odd jobs at the drugstore all the way up through, you know, rising in your different careers with the restaurants. When did you have that as, as uh, they, they say in the emoth by Michael Gerber, when did you have entrepreneurial seizure when you were like, wait a minute, I have learned in your, that I could probably do this on my own. I could probably do this and not have somebody else have an eight five on me that you know I have to go in and, and keep pushing in. 
probably in in my early 20s when I was you know at at 22 23 I was running a three and a half million dollar business and managing the PL and just seeing that because these pieces were in place you could just interchange the parts but there was always room for improvement you know the, the people were mm. part of that but how you treated people to get that extra productivity or, or retention lower your cost and and, and that kind of so, observations i love that so, so early 20s managing all of that and you were doing that for someone else at that point right yes okay and and it dawned on you like wait a minute there's pieces here that i understand that i could i could do this on my own what did you just monetize what what piece of knowledge were you like you know what i'm gonna go take this on and do consulting or what was it that you forayed into well at the time i, I had passion i grew up at college when when the scene was in and it was at the end of discos but people were changing from live bands to entertainment and jays so I was able to monetize that in a restaurant chains to take underperforming units and turn add that element of, of nightlife to double the profits by by taking a whole different segment uh, of, of adding to the business. Interesting. And, and were you so did you do that for your other job or did you uh, to take well, a cut of that, that business or what did that for, look like? For three, I uh, went out in '84 for the Olympics um, out in LA. The, the night the the whole hands at the time had one of the hottest bars with with a DJ out there. Um, I opened one in for Bennigan's out in Indiana, took one of the most underperforming, you know, from $12,000, $13,000 a week business to 50. Wow. And uh, yeah, I was number two in profits and 14th in sales, you know, so after I did that for like four years, I raised a half million dollars and, and saw a liquor license ad in a newspaper, purchased it for $5,000 on my credit card, raised a half million dollars and borrowed a half million dollars, opened my own at 29 years old, opened up my first restaurant, 6,000 square foot restaurant, 3,000 square foot nightclub. And we did so, $0.5 million the first year. Beautiful. So you you went out and said, you know what? I'm going to take the knowledge I have in running these restaurants and I'm going to build my own restaurants. So you went and raised that cash and you monetized some of that mental capital and, and dug into that, built a restaurant and and continued on. Was there a time when you decided, you know what, I think it's time to take this knowledge and, and monetize it into a knowledge-based product, something where you were doing consulting or a, a, you know, or a SaaS product? What, what, tell me about the, the rest of your journey. Well, from there, you know, business having worked for corporates wherever they optimized and, and organized, you know, I went to work back into, uh, after it started another restaurant after I had partners. I started another restaurant, but I had two bad winters and, and mm. put me out of business. And I needed a career change. Working to buy out my business partner, I went to work at Bell Atlantic Network Integration because I love technology. And mm. went there from eight o'clock till five o'clock at night, went to the restaurant from six to one. Oof. And while there, met two guys uh, and you know, started out an inside sales position and then and literally within six months, I was at another project. We we wired five thousand five thousand cat five wire you know drops with a GUI for for a hundred applications in five hospitals. So mm. working in that environment, I just said I got to get out of that that service industry and get into the tech business. And from there, I met uh, met two gentlemen at lunch every day. We started a business on the side that we did a million dollars business wiring a 
office building and putting in routers and switches for three months. And that took me to the web hosting world. So wait, where, hold on. You're at you're at the it was Bell Belt Network Integration. Okay, Belt Belt Atlantic uh, Network Integration. And you decided, okay, I'm doing wait a minute, I know how to network this crap. And the three of you were like, wait a minute, we could we could get paid to do that ourselves. And so you did this kind of side gig and you made a million dollars on it in like three well, months? It was a million dollar project. A million the, dollar project. The cost was half, half but, but it. It, was, it was a lot of money for two months work. You know, so having <laughs> yeah. the ability to, to see that and, and taking that that chance. The other gentleman I was with had tech background experience. One thing about the restaurant business is you have to do every job in the business. So yeah. it teaches you that you're you're not in one lane. Like most people in business are stuck in one or two lanes. Interesting. And so once you can open, you're not afraid to drift over to two or three lanes and, and do every job. You convince it it's not hard. It's you've never done it before. Yeah. So you leaned into that fear. What questions were you at? Like, like what made you guys realize as you're going to lunch and you're realizing, holy crap, we have a service we could sell to someone else. What what was it that made you realize like, oh my goodness, like this is something that's monetizable. What, what what do you think was it that dawned on you that that could be an opportunity? It's having the knowledge of where things was headed, where things were headed, and from mm. being on the ground floor and seeing technology. You know, when being I remember being around the Netscape first, the first browser, you know, came on board, and there's six of us looking at it, and, and seeing where things were going from the telephone world, from being in, you know, dial up, to you know. Wired wired access and then not even you know people not even anticipating where things were headed you know so being a, a risk taker and getting out ahead of that you, you know is, is oh, so what questions if I let's 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 say I'm an Amazon seller um, or or an e-commerce seller and I'm currently selling um, electronics on Amazon or I'm whatever I'm selling toys as I'm selling these things what questions should I be asking myself to help me identify which pieces of knowledge I might have that could be monetized. What questions do you think they should be asking themselves? Well, I, I get contacted by by sellers and they have all these gurus telling them you should be going into this or selling this or that. And you know, anything that you do, you need that you know the product. People that are successful are passionate about what they what they do. And if you do, love what you do, the money will follow. Mm. So most people think that a widget is a widget and if i just put it out there it's going to sell right and mm -hmm. with so many other people what's your unique selling proposition you know what makes you different and most companies just be simple customer service you know mm -hmm. on amazon it's not as easy because everybody's more price oriented mm -hmm. but but is is differentiating yourself and looking for trends ahead of you know not just being a follower but, but doing research and, and looking where things are going to be tomorrow so Based on what I was an seller and I heard you say that, I would be asking myself, what lights me up? What gets me super excited? What do I love doing? And then what's out there that had demand? What looks like there's going to be a trend where, oh man, everybody's going to need this type of listing optimization or, you know, you, you find something unique about packaging or, or different pieces, some unique part of your business that you've done really well that lights you up. That sounds like a category of something that you might want to consider. Certainly. I have 21-year-old guys or 22-year-old guys calling me asking about um, baby carriers. And I say, do you have, have babies? Have you held ha held babies or have any relatives, you know, have kids? No. 
why would you even want to get into that product line when you have no experience with it? And because some telling you that there's a lot of opportunity there, when if you look at statistics and birth rates are down, those categories are, are, are drying up. I mean, there's less births, you know, being happening. So people don't see the whole story. They're not doing the research. Mm. Look at what, where things are going to be in a year from now or two years from now. Mm. You know, it's better to look at packaging because all the, the packaging laws of, of footprints of packaging, getting in, thinking outside the box and looking at, at being the next person, how we calculate, you know, combat packaging, less packaging, or economizing packaging. So there's less footprint, less taxes that are going to be, start to be, you know, uh, put yeah. into place. So tell me, what would you say are the biggest roadblocks? If I, so as you, let, let's, let's fast forward in your career here. So you, you landed uh, that, did the hostings this. How did you exit the host world to get um, over in a little farther down? Well, it, hosting business took me, we went from point number seven in professional since 2000. I mm. uh, ended up going flying to California for, for two years, coast to coast, every, every, every week. We went from two data centers, three three acquisitions, four stock splits. We had 44 data centers. Hmm. The big dot com crash in 2000. Yeah. I we went starts closing dinners. I went. I was a part of a team. Went to the, in the Docklands and and different countries, shutting down data centers, shipping all the information back. And because of my passion for technology, had the idea to economize. How do we track all these switches, computers, and everything? So I went and, and convinced the executives to spend $5,000 on a beta program, build a software bar tracking, hanging all the assets and ship them back to California. So in that, from that initiative ended up getting me a leadership award with Cable Wireless because we have $21 million of, of equipment uh, by being able to identify reuse and then sell off equipment that we had around the world that people had abandoned or we had bought and just utilizing that. So that me took, took me to that, that, um, that part of my life. And, uh, I was tired of traveling back and forth and wanted to do something different. And my How old, old college at this point, point, this was, uh, 15, I was at 50. So I, took the, uh, I saw the trends for high-end baby goods and my college roommate was at a baby product store. So using the, I created, we started a company called Your Baby and we launched, we ended up launching five European brands into the U.S. market. And I actually sold to Amazon a hundred thousand dollars with the strollers back in 2004, <laughs> you know, when they first split from ba Baby's Rest. <laughs> so we did that until 2008 and the capital requirements are so great. Uh, I launched the Beba brand in the U.S. and the container was a quarter million dollars and we wow. privately financed friends and family and, and people from tech. So we just couldn't get the financing and that forced me to sell that company to another company where I was vice president of operations for two years. So I got to see four other brands and work in the operations part of it. And that's when the compliance component came into place. So I took my experience and said, you know, I can look at this area and this is with new laws and new regulations, how to, how to optimize that. So after two years of my contract, I started a consulting business and been helping companies for the last 13 years, you know, use compliance, right? In, in product safety compliance. And I've helped 
you know, from Gap Inc. We did all visions, you know, with a two-person company. We did, wow. uh, did restaurant companies, startup companies. So doing worldwide compliance took me to the next aha moment is like, how do we use technology to streamline operations to make it more efficient? Uh, so we take the hour, take the man hours down and try to audit some of the, some of the information that's needed. And as you were digging in on that and you were looking at, okay, I'm going to start this consulting business. My contract is that you could see, man, there's a lot of people who need help with and, and wow, I know what I'm doing here. And me up. It's, it's, it sounds like. I, I told my wife that at, at the time I was going through a divorce, I told her when I first met her that, that I'm doing something new, but in 10 years, I'm going to master this, but you, I'll be known for this, for all the things I've done in my life, you know, all the startups and everything else. And ironically, it took me eight years to get at a pinnacle for kind of consulting where I was one of the three product safety coordinators working with the Justice Department to handle consent decrees mm. from the CPSC and Justice Department. So getting that knowledge of understanding, you know, you know they had to hire me as a proxy to manage their compliance program, oversee it for, for two years. And that experience led me to you know, 10 years ago, I launched a beta for my software program. I was too late to the game, mm. but working with clients over 10 years, I used that knowledge to build my current software after, because after COVID, everything changed. Yeah. And I saw the opportunity to, to pivot and, and make a better mousetrap, you know, for the way the future, you know, of, of e-commerce and everything was happening. Okay. Love that. So what were the biggest roadblocks you saw in your careers? You started this consulting business, clear back to when you did the hospital project, and everywhere in between is you you sold your knowledge across these different pieces and created these different knowledge-based products. What was the biggest uh, roadblock you came when it came to monetizing the different knowledge-based well, products? The most the difficult thing for people is at, at any given time, if you have children and family, you're constrained by your current factors, like you, you have young family, you have obligations, you have mortgages, you can't take the risk you can when you're single. You know, when you're, when you're single, you have the freedom. If it's like going to the casino, if you lose it all, go start again tomorrow. But, but you, as you get older and have family, you have college coming, you have, you take less and less risk. So mm. a lot of people aren't successful because they don't take that plunge. They hate the job. They have, they're too afraid to leave their lane. So, and so, so that, have, that's probably the biggest challenge for people. And, and did you overcome that? As you looked at, you know, you shifted lanes several times and it sounds like when you had a family, you know, you, you were, when you said you were working for the, the uh, Bell Tech Atlantic uh, and then you were also working at the restaurant at the same time sure. um, and, and you decided to kind of shift. What, what gave you the courage uh, to shift and go around in those lanes? Well, sometimes when it rugs out from under you, like financial, you know, losing a job or you get a chance to everything. So, you know, financial, the 2000 and I lost a million two, and everything's wiped out. You have to start over. It gives you a fresh slate. You know, previously in a restaurant, a bad winter, banks weren't cooperating. It's like just shut it down and just walk it into a different direction. So a lot of times you have to just close after. You have to put something down to pick something up. Interesting. I love that that phrase right there. I think I'm going to take away from this episode. Sometimes in order to pick something up, you have to put something down. 
and, and, and I've seen that in my life and in my career as well. Um, I, I've been most recently working uh, at Cell Labs and we're building uh, this amazing tool that automates data extraction inside Amazon. And um, Non, Dean just joined our team as a new founder and he bought into the company. Um, he forced us to choose a target market and zero in on agencies. And, and that's saying no to focusing on the e-commerce seller. And and there was so much FOMO for me. I was like, fear of missing out. I We are going to miss out zeroing in like that, saying no to the focus of the e-commerce to the other has opened up totally new doors. Like you said, we set down one and and, and picked something else back up. So sounds like the biggest way you overcome the challenge of fear is not being afraid to let go because there is a new door that will open. When one door closes, one door opens. Yeah, just because you do something doesn't mean you should. You know, I'm in, in a similar situation. I built something today, applies to different scenarios, you know, but it could be seen as scattered or it can be, you know, you can't fight a war on three fronts, right? It's better to be successful, start out in one one area and then move to the next. Mm. So it, it's the same type of scenario is when you find that focus for the personas, for, for the business channel or the, the, the audience you're looking for, you know, that's the, that's when you're going to be going to go viral you know people are going to start you're focusing on instead of being all things to many people many people so tell me okay let's imagine that you could make a phone call right now and you could call bill back when he was just getting ready to half a million dollars and borrow the other half a million to start that restaurant and 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 maybe even you know you're going to call him while these other guys and you're talking they're talking about this hospital project that we're getting paid a million, you know, a million dollars for. And, you know, imagine you can make a phone call back to him to tell him to do something different around building these knowledge products or use his knowledge in a different way. What would you tell him? What would you tell Bill? I would, I would not sell yourself short. You know, people with the money control your dreams. And, you know, in several instances, Getting a, pe- a small piece of a company when other people are controlling it, when you're the impetus and it's your intellectual property and, and everything else, whether it's a restaurant concept or technology, you know, don't, it's, it's different today than it was yesterday. You can go in to have ideas to, to go to companies and they'll help fund and, and build the software for you, or they see ideas because everybody's looking for opportunities, but that didn't exist years ago. So you're at the mercy of the person, the people you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And so is doing their way or the highway. And then if you have a less controlling interest, you're always going to be not in control. And so, and so you want something that you're willing not to think it through to say, what if I don't have control? You know, how do I steer this boat? And I think that's actually a really powerful piece of advice. I, I too would, would call Will Christensen from, early in my career, and I would say controlling interest, if you are the impetus behind this business, if you are the passionate one, if you're the one who's going to spend your day in and day out, retain 51%, like, like, like retain controlling interest in that, because that is part of your destiny. That is part of where you go. And I think I'm thinking back to a good friend of mine, Tyler Jeffco, I've heard him say the same thing about his experience, man, I wish I'd retained I, I gave up more than I should have because really I was the impetus. And, and I think there are ways 
So so let's let's go there for just a second, Bill. Let's say that I'm a young entrepreneur and I'm just starting out and, and I'm coming to you and saying, look, I've got these investors. They're willing to do it for me, but want 75% of the company. Is there a way that I could negotiate so that I can get to 51%? Because I can see the numbers. I can see where they're coming from. They want 75% and I can't seem to find anybody else. How how do I negotiate my 51% maybe over time or or, or how do, what, what should I do? Or should I just stop and go find a different idea? What would you tell that young entrepreneur? Don't show all your cards, first and foremost. It, it, you, you, if you patent your software or you have the second version or roadmap, if people are excited, you know, don't oversell and, and try to show the whole deck. Because if the, the beta works and if it works well and is missing, the people are the wrong people, you still have the cards for the next level because you already proved the concept. Interesting. So your advice would go probably ditch those investors because you already shared all the cards to them. Go find other investors and share the first part of it and be willing to give up 75% of the of the beta version um, because you've then proved out the model and you can say, look, I can take this to the next level, but I'm going to need another 25% or 26% to get to my 51% or I'm going to go do this on my own. Um, sure. and, and, and it's people that share vision because money is money, right? It's, it's a commodity, but people who share your vision, that's mm. the secret sauce because, you know, in talk people that are on, you, like you just brought in that has a vision for your company. I already realized this, that, that I can't do this alone. I'm mm -hmm. talking to people now mm -hmm. to, to see my vision. And I have a roadmap in my head that no matter, you know, what happens, I'm way ahead, you know, where things are going to be. So, Having learned that before, I've self-funded all of this point and Beautiful. it gives me more control going yeah. down that path yeah. because either people see it and have that aha moment and, and want to be on board or you know you don't have to oversell or sell your soul. Well, and, and I think there's something to be said of finding people like you, Bill, um, who understand that and understand how important that is. I have a feeling if we were to dig in, there's probably some people you've either invested in or mentored um, to do the same thing because you recognize how important it is for that that individual to own control of, of their destiny and look at that. So look for individuals like Bill, like me, like my buddy Brandon Check. That's what he did for me. He, he helped me cover my dream of creating a company and he was willing to do it in a way that I didn't have to sell my soul. So 100%, look for a mentor or an investor who shares that vision with you. And you're talking about mental capital. You, you know, there's so many people out there want to sell you their vision or what they their success path is. Yeah. And you and I are the type of people, we're looking for people that see what we're where we're headed. Yeah. If you've done it before, you want to go along for the ride and, yeah. and, and not recreate what you've done before. Yeah, you know, taking that experience and saying, "Wow, this is this is it's right riding waves." Yeah. If you ever boogie board, you're waiting for that perfect wave and yeah. ride that first in your lifetime. I've had successes and failures, but some waves just go 20 feet and you wipe out. You, everybody's looking for that long wave that takes you all the way up to shore and yeah. it's exhilarating. You know, not many people get to do two or three of those in your lives. Yeah. But someone's had an exit and wants to do it again because you, you miss excitement. Yeah. That's the person I'm I'm looking for that yeah. sees the value of, of where this could be in the future because that's the type of passion you need to be real. Yeah. So we're going to give you um, about 60 seconds here. We're going to pretend that you walked into 
uh, the elevator with your ideal customer profile for your software, for the compliance software that completely automates all of those amazing certificates that you've mentioned before. And we're just going to pretend that we've stepped into that elevator and you got 60 seconds. I'm actually going to time you. I've got my watch here. Um, and you're going to get 60 seconds just basically to do that elevator pitch of like, here's why I, I and my software are the solution looking for. And then right after that, stay tuned, everybody. Um, Bill is going to share with us any hacks, tips, tricks, or books that he's read recently or used recently that have increased productivity and looked at all. Of so uh, without further ado, you've got a minute, Bill. Ready? Go. I, uh, I developed RoadPlus because every Amazon seller and manufacturer importer compliance documentation is needed for five years. In Europe, it's 10 years. And people struggle with where do they get the documentation, especially selling it to multiple sales channels. So I, I launched Comply Pro Plus this year and is just in, in a process of launching it formally to the world uh, in December. And this is the only program that helps you manage your brand across all global sales channels, including Amazon. It gives you data for live, you just see a live dashboard of your data. You can manage sales channel requirements. You can manage your uh, relationships with all your clients. Most importantly, I'm just about to launch a certificate generator that will able to generate certificates, which will come play e-filing in 2025. Nailed it. Right on. There's your minute. Fantastic. So if you're interested in connecting with Bill on that, um, right after this, he's going to give you contact information or where, where you can get, get with Bill. Tell us about hacks, tips, tricks, or books you've come across recently that you feel like entrepreneurs or those on the knowledge monetization journey should be looking at? Well, if, if, if having spent the last two years building every wireframe for this app to save money and, and, and to do this, I haven't had time for much pleasure reading, but watching technology within the AI space, you know, taking your ideas and, and looking parallel to see what's happening in different segments, why reinvent a wheel? And the more knowledge, the more reading you can look into that space is going to help you. If you have an idea, you know, check it. If it's people are doing it, ask me, why don't you do this? Because in a year from now, it's going to be done. You know, watch your time with mundane tasks, mundane issues, and, and focus on things that makes you stand apart. You know, when everybody's running this way, you want to be yeah. at the other end waiting for them to come back. So, Bill, one question that I have, one second here. So, Bill, one question I have is, as busy as you are right now doing all of that wireframing and digging in, how do you stay up on the news? What's, what do you use to, to stay in touch? Well, I, everything from Quora to, to websites, you know, scanning because you have to take breaks, you, you know, you're standing, sitting, you're at your desk from 12 till midnight, 12, you know, eight in the morning till midnight. Sometimes you have to take breaks. You have to do physical exercise every day, but you have to just look in diverse different areas. And so just able to just scan things and look for trends, whether it's newspapers, magazines, online, you know, Wall Street Journal, just read and absorb because, you know, the worst thing you can do is stay in a vacuum. Especially when you're developing products, because you need to know what's happening around you. Any apps you'd recommend? Well, for, for I just found this app, Snagit, it, which is for, for wire. I use, was using Figma for a while, and 
Snagit is so amazing that it has qualities of loom. It is a cut paste and it has scrolling and it's just like a, a Swiss army knife tool that for if you're building documentation for wireframes, for just building steps for knowledge bases, because I built the whole knowledge base of annotating step one, two, three, four, five. I was able to build, you know, it's interesting, the knowledge base that I built, we get zero customer supports because the software is so ergonomic mm. and because everything's already there for it. Mm. And, and soon we'll be able to use, we're using a third party software. Crisp, but the knowledge base of the AI, it'll automate that self-service. I love so it. It's going to take the people aspect out of that because the downside of customer services, you can't be every there every minute. And yeah. once you do it right the first time, it's you all the time answering the questions. Yeah, but the and but the AI can be there all the time. That's awesome, um, Bill. How do I uh, if I wanted to get a hold of you? What's the best way to get in touch? So my email is let's talk at complyproplus.com. And website is complyproplus.com. Uh, okay. And you'll find information. We have a page for Amazon sellers, manufacturers. Um, very exciting year. Like like I said, e-filing will come into play. In one of the big hacks is, is no one knows this, but rulemaking starts in April. Next year. E-filing start in 2025. Every manufacturer importer will have to e-file certificates for importation in the United States. And I'm well, on the committee with the CPSC and the, the um, Customs Border Protection, and we they're developing the website for the, the the government. And I'm a year ahead of schedule. We have it built, delivered. You know, I love it. Um, you heard it here. Um, I think the biggest takeaway for me is that um, in order to pick something up, you probably got to put something down. That that uh, is a, is my takeaway here today. Um, can't uh, thank you enough, Bill, for joining us um, on, on Monetize Your Mental Capital. And um, well, see you next time. Great, great being here today. Thank you. Awesome. The recording has well, stopped. Thank you. Um, I think that was a great episode. I think there's some um, really solid takeaways. Um, obviously, you come with a wealth of knowledge, um, you know, across industries, you know, all the way from restaurant to texting to, you know, all yeah. over the board. Yeah, my old boss is vice president of Facebook. I turned out he's vice president of all Facebooks worldwide wow. options. I was going through a divorce at the time, yeah. and family's more important. My kids were important. Comes and yeah. goes, right? Time yeah. is the important thing you have. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, it's been a wild ride. And you know, I'm 66, launching a software company. You know, that, and I built all my website. I built all the, the site. I built the wireframes. And, and people my age shouldn't be able to do this, but it's all self-education. <laughs> self-education, seeing trends, and, and just having that, looking for that one or two lines of where things are going to be and yeah. focusing on you know what you're doing for data yeah. to be able to do that. Hey, I saw that on Seller Labs. We have an affiliate partnership yeah. firm. Oh, yeah. If, if you want to do something, and we can send me, send me an email, and I'll respond back. 20% commission, you have a lot of users. Yeah. These commissions can raise from $300 to $1,200 based on the plans. Sure. Uh, it's, it's something, there's a thousand inventory programs, and this is the only app for, for worldwide compliance out there. Yeah. So it's a value add for your customers, especially who sell in multiple channels. Yeah. No, I, I think that there's definitely an opportunity there. There, I, I think that um, one of the things that we may want to consider doing is our software actually, we're, we're at a point where we're going to allow third parties like you to build an app inside our app store 
and then that app would be essentially launched to all of our users. Um, and so it might be interesting were to build an app in the app store that scans someone's catalog and gives them a score on how much risk there is that they don't have compliance set up, right? Like some sort of like you know, risk I, I scanner. Built, yeah, I, built, I built some even some builders. I built a, a there that scores. You know, I built like a, a hack a, a word for, like a question quiz. Yeah. And you answer the questions and it gives you a, a risk score. You know, something, there you go. something, something so, like yeah, that. A, so yeah, a risk score like that. If you want to shoot me an email and say, hey, Will, let's build the risk score app to the Seller Labs app store. Um, I would be more than interested in having that discussion. That's a pretty simple application that we could put in in there, and it would it would add some value, and it would give you some leads, and obviously give us some revenue as we send you stuff that comes through. Yeah, I mean the, the the next year is a big year because I'm part of that e-file beta that we're doing now. But but having the ability to push this out to your people so you're adding value to them, saying, look, this is happening, and it's yeah. brand protection. You know, compliance is like a dirty word. People don't yeah. want to miss. It's like, yeah, we have to do it. But it's like renewing your insurance every year. Bill, send me an email about that, and let's get on the calendar here in the next couple of weeks. Okay. Um, one other question that I have for you. You said that you're currently working, I mean, till one in the morning or midnight, um, connecting those dots. Um, I have an interesting solution. I, you, Are you at a spot like, man, I wish I could clone myself? Like, I wish there yeah. were two of me? But so yes. I, I too had that same, like, man, I wish I could clone myself um, situation as an entrepreneur. I looked into cloning technology. That wasn't a thing. I looked into a time machine and I'm like, man, maybe I could go back in time and me from in college and then bring him forward and I'll teach him. He's got no experience, but tons of attitude and, and attitude I could teach. It. And that made me realize, wait a minute, I can go back to college. And so I went back to my alma mater. And I, I developed a recruiting process where I actually apprentices. I've done probably 15 of them now. My first couple burned out pretty fast because wrong personality type. Sure. But I've got it to the point where these individuals actually a clone, and they don't mind being called a clone because they recognize how powerful it is to jump into a business and help someone who's oh, sure. as busy as you are. If you're interested, I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about it. Introduce my clone to my no, my no, that, that, that's just. Did you see the movie Multiplicity? Michael Keaton. No. You put it, write it down. He's a, he's a, he was a builder. It's the most, it's the craziest movie. He, he clones himself into three different people and he gets one reject. <laughs> I won't, I won't spoil it, but multiplicity with my Michael Keaton is, nice. is just exactly that. You know, okay. because I love it. I, I, we're dealing in, in highly specific subject matter experts. So I can't bring someone off the street. I have to teach him what I'm trying to do. And even exactly. the new developers, the reason why I have to spend all this documentation because I teach them what they're building and anybody can build software, but to build it in a way that businesses, it's organized and how business actually works, you know, that's the secret sauce. And so I'm getting to that point now where you have to mentor people because, you know, my age people said, oh, you'll find out, just do it yourself. Bill, I'd rather we, help people. So so we, we should definitely uh, talk about this. I've added that to my watch list. I appreciate oh, yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, You'll love it pointing that one out. Um, I'm going to uh, shoot you just, you know, 15 to 30 minutes next week um, to talk about an apprentice. Um, I have seven right now who have passed all of my tests and they're so eager to start with an entrepreneur like you. It's ridiculous. So See, I have um, an AI component. I filed a patent, uh, but my patent is you told it will be till I have till March to prosper show next year. 
my groundwork that I put out there, if people start copying, what I have in the pipeline is going to be huge. It's revolutionary. Yeah. Yes. It changes. It, it, everybody's going to need it. You know, okay. and so, I mean, having the ability, anybody that I talk to, it's like, they just don't get, they, they don't know the space, first of all, but they don't know the technology, where the future is going and, and how okay. to position yourself to be in that position. Well, Bill, I would love to help you clone yourself. So, um, sure. <laughs> I'll check. Well, you, when, when I heard your working hours, I thought, oh my gosh, he needs an apprentice really bad. Cause that's the same thing was happening to me. And Eliza has leaned in enough. I've actually given her some equity. She, she proved she's been with me for a year and a half now. And I will, I will carry her with me for as long as she's willing to come. Cause she's, she's just lean into it and doing things that only I could do before. Um, and, and that's good. Cause I mean, I, I, equity is fine because I put in the last two years, like 400,000, but the beta was 200 and two years of my time, I, I took down my consulting business. I've had thousand dollars yep. plus into this thing, but the investment bankers I turned down this week, they're all dangling money. It's not about the money. It's about yep. Yep. the vision of, of, of positioning uh, wave, so to speak. So cool. uh, I, I definitely, we're in the same realm of the automation. Yep. When you see that what I've done for certificates is just a game changer. It, it will automate from issues of a PO to generate a certificate for incoming shipments without even people touching it. It is just such a danger. Okay. Well, um, I love it, and I will uh, get you on the calendar for um, for both. We'll we'll talk about okay, the, yeah. the app inside Seller Labs App Store, and then the check out um, that movie this weekend for one entertainment. It, it's I, hilarious. I, I put it's it on great. my watch list. I appreciate it. it. It's great, and yeah, I have a demo at two thirty, but we'll talk again.